So this morning, we're back in Proverbs, and so take your Bibles and turn with me to Proverbs chapter 4, and let's stand as we open God's Word together. Proverbs chapter 4, looking at verses 1 through 4. And again, be ready to flip the pages because like a tapestry, the themes in Proverbs are a little different than any other book of the Bible. They're kind of, kind of woven throughout the book here. So we'll be, we'll be flipping pages a good bit this morning. Somebody said it sounds like angel wings when you flip, flip the pages of a Bible. So some of you are scrolling, that's okay. But just follow us along as close as you can this morning. Proverbs 4, verses 1 through 4. Listen, my son, to a father's discipline. And pay attention that you may gain understanding, for I am giving you good instruction. That's speaking of doctrine there. Don't abandon my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender and precious to my mother, he taught me and said, your heart must hold uh, hold on to my words and keep my commandments and live. Father, we thank you for these wonderful words of life. Help us to be good students and good stewards of your word that we might not only know it, but that we might live it. And Father, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to ask you to bear with me this morning, dealing with a little bit of throat stuff. And on top of that, I forgot my glasses today. So um, you'll see whether or not I have familiarized myself well with the text, and I could do like I do on Wednesday nights and call on somebody out here to read, right? But if you will follow along with me as we look at this text, I want us to think about something. As a matter of fact, let's start by thinking about what we just witnessed up here with these young people that were playing various instruments. Now, I am not skilled as a musician at all, and so I'm impressed that that not only do they learn certain laws and, and functions of music and musical instruments and voice and things like that, but uh, uh, eventually what seemed burden to them in a process and to those who lead on a regular basis and any of you who love music, those of you who have played in a high school band or anything like that, uh, you know, uh, some of you are old garage band members from years ago, uh, whether, you, whether or not... Uh, you played in a, in a setting like a school setting, a church setting, whatever it may be, you, you learn something that as you discover the, the rules and the laws of music and practice hours on end, and sometimes it's not fun, right, to go to piano practice or go to uh, practice, uh, guitar lessons, whatever it may be. And, and so for hours on end, you work, but the more you learn, the more you stick with it, the more liberating it becomes. You're like, wow, I've, I've learned some things, and I've seen how some of these young people have come along, and, and they've learned some things, and, and the more they learn, the, the, the more free they've become, the more liberated they are to use what they are learning. And so it becomes joyful, it becomes a blessing, not drudgery in their own life. Thank you, brother. <laughs> it becomes joyful a blessing in their own life, and on top of being a blessing on their own life, they begin to bless others with their gifts. In other words, it becomes a lifestyle for them. And so it is with God's Word. 
Now, one thing that young people would be told on a regular basis, as well as those who have been in music for a while, if you look up advice that skilled musicians have for the younger and the next generation, it is stick with it. Just stick with it. It's got to be a part of who you are. And so if you stick with it, it will become more liberating, more freeing. You'll enjoy it more, and you'll begin to bless even more people with it over time. But stick with it. Now, I would, as a pastor, tell our young people, stick with it in a way that glorifies God. Don't let it become one of those things. I mean, how many people grew up in church and uh, cut their musical teeth there, and then as they got really talented, it was Disney or Nashville or somebody called And then they left the church and left all their principles behind that they grew up with, and they revealed that they loved music more than they loved the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I would say stick with it, but keep glorifying God with it. But when it comes to studying God's Word, it's the same way. Stick with it. Let it become a lifestyle to you, a lifestyle of growing in the Word, a lifestyle of growing in wisdom. And so many of these Proverbs teach us how to make the Word of God and the wisdom of God something that is a lifestyle. Now, I have something to say that's going to to sound very confrontational this morning. And that is, we have a lot, I would say probably the larger percentage of this congregation that are social drinkers this morning. Pastor Ben's going, man, I didn't know you were going to go there today. Larger percentage of congregation, what do I mean by social drinkers? Remember where we started in Proverbs? The Word of God is a wellspring of life. And so that when we drink from it on a regular basis, it becomes a lifestyle that's changing us. So when it comes to drinking from the wellspring of God's Word and finding out what the Word of God has to say and, and, and becoming skilled drinkers of the Word, by the way, <laughs> be sure... You get that I'm talking about the Word of God. Don't, don't try to become skilled at something else here. But skilled at coming to the well on a regular basis. And we're not just social drinkers. What do I mean by a social drinker of the Word of God? Meaning most Christians, we just come into church and we get a sip from the Word of God. Or maybe the verse of the day on our Bible app will even pop up on our email or, or on, our, on our phone. And, and so we get... We get just a little social drinking going on. We get just a little taste. But drinking from the well doesn't become part of our everyday lifestyle. And I want us to learn to drink heavily from the Word of God so that it becomes such a a lifestyle for us that, like I was talking about with those in music, you become skilled with the Word of God in such a way that it it is a blessing to you. It is liberating to you. You'll know the truth. And the truth shall set you free. By the way, it's not, if you look at the context there, it's not just truth that sets you free. It's knowledge of the truth. So as you know the truth, as you become skilled in the word and skilled in wisdom, it becomes liberating and it's a blessing to you. It's not drudgery to have a quiet time, not drudgery to study the Bible. It is joy. You look forward to it. You can't, the way that a true musician or a guitarist can't wait to pick up that guitar or, or that keyboardists sit down at the keyboard because they just enjoy it. In a crowd or when nobody's around, they just enjoy it. You become that way with the Word of God. You can't wait to open that Word and dig in. Don't be a social drinker from the wellspring of life. Be devoted to it. Let it be a lifestyle. What does it look like? What does it give you? 
What does it provide you, this lifestyle of growing in the Word and wisdom? First of all, as we turn to the pages of Proverbs this morning, you'll see that it gives us a confidence that flows from the spiritual strength that it provides. Not just, listen, not just being a spiritual know-it-all. The the spiritual know-it-all is the one who is really kind of spiritually insecure, so they have to try to act like they just, man, I kind of know the Bible more than you and that sort of thing. I'm not talking about being a spiritual know-it-all. I'm talking about being wise because you have given yourself to the Word. And so we read just a moment ago in chapter 4 and verse 2, he says, I'm giving you good instruction. Some translations, the word is doctrine. We get our theology, our, our understanding of the nature and the character of God. Who is God and what, he is, what is he all about? And so our, our, our solid doctrine, Bible teaching, this is who God is and how I live in light of who he is, is revealed in God's word. When you get to the pastoral epistles in the New Testament, The pastors are told again and again, devote yourself to doctrine. Give yourself to teaching doctrine. Sometimes we're told by uh, in the contemporary church today that you can't preach doctrine because people won't come. And so what we have is a a shallow Christianity that, that doesn't have a hunger for the deep theological truths of Scripture. And so the challenge for us is to understand not only the importance of doctrine, but why it's relevant. Why is it important to know who God is and what he is all about and to get in on his will and his plan, his calling for your life? In Acts chapter 2, the church devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine, to the teaching of scriptures. And so that's corporately. Privately, we're to see that knowing God in his character, and his nature, his will, his purposes makes us spiritually stronger, and when we're spiritually stronger, we have a certain confidence because we've been in the Word, we, we, we are knowing the Word of God, but more importantly than knowing the Word of God, we're knowing the God of the Word because that's His communication of His truth, His will, His call, His plan, His purposes for our lives. We discover the principles of Scripture, we start to live by them, and it makes all the difference. It gives us the spiritual strength and a confidence as we walk life's path. Now turn over to chapter 22, Proverbs chapter 22. Starting with verse 17. He says, listen closely. And the Christian standard Bible here says, pay attention. The Hebrew word there is shema. You heard of the shema before, Deuteronomy chapter 6? The Shema, that passage here, O Israel, listen, pay attention, Israel. The Lord our God is one. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the passage goes on to tell the Israelites at that time and, and for all time, keep the word of God central in your home. Put it all over your house and talk about it when you lay down. Talk about it when you rise up. Talk about the word when you walk along the way. Saturate yourself, your family, and your lifestyle with the Word of God. Here he's saying, pay attention to the words of the wise. Apply your mind. Again, some translations say heart. It's innermost being here. To my knowledge, for it is pleasing. And it says, if you you keep them within you, and if they are constantly on your lips, so you're 
meditating, you're rehearsing, right? You're talking about the Word of God. Look down at verse 21. Back up to verse 20. He says, haven't I written for you 30 sayings? I've given you a lot to think about up until this point, about counsel and knowledge, in order to teach you true and reliable words, things that you can what? Be, he's saying, I've written things so that you can have certainty about something and that you may give a dependable report, or depending on your translation, a certain report to those who sent you. Meaning I have a certain confidence with, when I'm speaking to my family. I have a certain confidence when I'm gathered with a small group at church. I have a certain confidence when I'm talking to people that I work with or go to school with about who God is, what his plan is for my life. And if I've embraced a standard by which I live and everybody else is going to make fun of that standard or I'm going to be insulted for that standard, attacked for that standard, that's confidence because I know the Word of God, and as a result of knowing the Word of God, I know the God of the Word, and I have no doubt that I'm therefore walking in the will of God. In chapter 28 and verse 1, it talks about how the, the, wicked, the wicked flee, though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion because they have been trained by the Word of God, living and applying the Word of God in their life. They don't have to run from those who might attack them. It comes with this spiritual strength, this integrity of life. And when we neglect it, we're neglecting those things that would give us a defense against spiritual anemia. You know, to be anemic, sometimes we speak of being anemic as weak, but we know that really it's when we're some, something has robbed us physically of some red blood cells, right? And so, so we struggle, and, and, and we, physically we can be anemic. Sometimes spiritually, we don't have the, the biblical red blood cells we need in our life to give us the strength that we need to walk day in and day out. Yes, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in our life. Yes, we can pray and ask for a fresh filling of His Spirit. But when we neglect the Word, see, not only do we have the Holy Spirit living in us, for we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, not only does Ephesians 5.18 tell us to be continually being filled with the Spirit, we also have a Spirit that communes with the Spirit. His Spirit bears witness with our Spirit that we are the children of God. And our Spirit becomes weak when the red blood cells, spiritually speaking, of God's Word aren't saturating us day in and day out. So the word and, and wisdom has to be something that we value, that comes from God, that gives us life, that gives us vitality, that sets us free. And so that our faith becomes real, our confidence becomes real. Now, I, I'm confident that when I was in high school, I was a pretty good quarterback. A lot of people aren't aware of that, even my own family. I was a pretty good quarterback. I could actually completed some, some pretty long passes, some, threw some touchdown passes. And so I had, had a lot of confidence when I played the position of quarterback. As long as we're talking about Mattel Electronics handheld. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody still got one laying around somewhere? I mean, it was just red blinking lights. We didn't have the graphics we have today, but later, later graphics came along. And uh, 
you know, the, the video world, the virtual world, whatever, we kind of stepped it up a little bit. Now, Jake, I don't know about you, but I struck out Big Poppy a few times on a video game in Kent's room. I mean, because I was a pretty good picture. Man, I, I, I could sling it when I had a handheld device. I have beaten Jeff Gordon and Jimmy Johnson across the finish line before. That's pretty awesome. On a video game. Now, we laugh about that, and we're like, yeah, you know, that's uh, video games. And, and, you know, unfortunately, there's some adults that probably struggle staying up too late. Now, if that's your spouse, don't have to tell them right here this morning. But people get lost in that virtual world, right? Yeah, you can do pretty good in a video game. What about real life? See, we have a lot of people who are strong and confident in their Christianity in a virtual world. And maybe that virtual world will give them some confidence on Facebook and Twitter and, uh, and Instagram and things like that. But what about when the rubber meets the road and when real life happens, when there is crisis? See, yesterday we had the opportunity, Pastor Ben and I, to be with a family in a real crisis, going through something difficult that many of you have gone through. And I want to encourage you to pray for Lauren Metz's mother this morning and pray for Lauren and her family as they pray, and they've got tough decisions, and they need a miracle from God. And, but one thing that I observed in all of that is I saw what happens when real Christians walk with God, and they love His Word and know His Word, and that faith is carrying them when they can't carry themselves. It's not a virtual world that we have to live in every day. It's a real world. We need to be real students of the Word of God that the confidence that flows from that spiritual strength might be evident to all of those who are around us. Don't just be strong in your virtual world. Don't just be a social drinker at the wellspring of life. Let it strengthen your relationships. Let it make you strong and confident when you face a crisis. Let it make you strong and confident when you are under attack from this world, the people you work with, hey, the people you go to school with that will attack you because of your faith, know your stuff. Know why you believe what you believe. Dig in the Word. Be a part of, of our Wednesday night emerge time as well as spending daily time in your Word. Let it be a lifestyle. Let your behavior, let your character flow from something deeper than outward confirmation or trying to make mom or dad happy or a teacher or a pastor. Let it be because you're knowing the God of this Word and He's changing you from the inside out. Secondly, this morning, I want to say that it gives commandments that provide spiritual safety. God's commandments are for your protection. And when it becomes a lifestyle, it becomes a spiritual safety in your life that only adds fuel to the confidence that we just spoke of. So back in chapter 4 where we started, when you come down to verse 4, he talks about being taught. He, he said, he, he taught me and said, your heart must Hold on to my words. Keep my commands and live. When you're keeping the commands of God, there is life. God's not trying to rob you of life. God's not trying to... So many young people, and even adults today, they, they feel like if, 
if they live by a biblical principle and preach something, God's trying to kill their good time. God's trying to rob them of some life. God doesn't want us to have any fun. That's the way so many people approach it. And it's quite the opposite. God's trying to protect us. He's trying to guard us. Speaking of guard, look over at chapter 7. In chapter 7, verse 1, he says, My son, obey my words and treasure my commands. Keep my commands, and there it is again, keep my commands and live. Protect my teachings. Why? Because they're going to protect you, right? As you would the pupil of your own eye. If you've ever been poked in the eye, you know why God has placed it where it is to try to protect it. We try to protect it. He goes, protect God's commands that way. Treasure them. Guard them. He says, tie them to your fingers. And write them on the tablet of your heart. Protect God's word in your heart. Treasure it in your heart because it's going to protect you. It's going to provide life for you. I think of Psalm 119, 9 and 11. He's ask, the psalmist is asking the question in Psalm 119, 9 when he says, how can a young man keep his way pure? And, and so David understood as a young man, it is hard because this world is trying to attack my purity. And he talks about seeking God in that, and we do have to seek God. And he goes on to say that, that, that I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against God. So this book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book get into the Word of God, that Word begins to protect you. It's, it's kind of like you're walking alone, but now you're walking with God. Now, how many of you remember walking with your mom, maybe to the, uh, for some reason, I remember grocery store parking lots are where a kid can get in trouble, right? And so my mom used to be real strict with us, went to the grocery store from the time we went in, the time we had to behave ourselves, we didn't cry, run around. But how many of you have ever been walking hand in hand with your mom, and you have that moment, you didn't see another car backing out? Or you didn't see the car pulling up to the curb, and you're just wandering on because you're a little child, but because she has your hand, she about yanked your arm out of socket and just pulled you back, and you're like, whoa, yanked my arm off, right? Mom, don't want me to have a good time? Trying to kill my fun? No, I'm trying to save your life. Pay attention. Stick close to me, and you'll live, right? I, I, I visually remember that as a kid. When everybody in Madison County had to drive as far as Bilo and Sky City, North Avenue. Remember that? We, had, we couldn't go to the grocery store. We had to drive all the way to Bilo and Sky City and almost got run over in the parking lot and mom grabs your arm, about yanks your arm out because you're going to find yourself under a vehicle. God's like that. As we walk with him, we might say, God, you're trying to kill my fun. You're trying to keep me from being free. No, I'm trying to save your life. I'm trying to provide the best for you because I love you. Look at Proverbs chapter 6. Flip back a couple of pages, verses 20 and following there. He says, my son, keep your father's command. Don't neglect your mother's teaching. Always bind them to your heart and tie them around your neck. And when you walk here and there, they will guide you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. When you wake up, they will talk to you. For a commandment is a lamp. Teaching is a light. Sounds like Psalm 119.11, doesn't it? And corrective instruction are the way to life. They will, they will protect you. 
they will provide life for you. And so we want to embrace that for ourselves. We want to embrace that for our children, our grandchildren. We want to give this same kind of wisdom and instruction by knowing the Word of God and passing that torch, passing it along to them, giving them a heart for the Word more than we give them a heart for anything else, a a hunger for the Word more than a hunger for anything else. How many of you parents, when your kids got old enough, maybe not quite old enough to drive yet, but some of their friends started driving before them, you know that feeling? Because they're going to ask you, you're kind of like, well, I've got three months, or I've got six months, I've got a year before they start driving. But dog on it, they have a friend who got their driver's license. And now they're going to say, can I ride with, and they name a name. And some of those names are kind of like, yeah, yeah, cool, you can ride. Other names, you're, you cringe, and you're like, I don't know. Now, if there's somebody else in the youth group, parents, don't tell them. Um, well, maybe you should. But you cringe, you're, I don't know, if you know of a, if you know of a teenager and they're known for everywhere they go, they drive 20 miles per hour over the speed limit. And they disobey traffic laws. And they crank the music up real loud. And they don't believe in seat belts. They violate all the... As a parent, you would say, I would never let my kid get in a car with them. Not going to do it. You're not riding with them. I know how they are. I'm not letting my child go somewhere unrestrained. Without speed limit, seat belts, driving on the wrong side of the road like that. That would be ridiculous. Yet, we disregard God's standards for modesty, sexual purity, and sexuality. And we don't check out their friends in those areas sometimes. We disregard standards against mind-altering substances sometimes. We disregard God's standards for music and television and internet and other Areas where we can feed the eye and feed the mind with things that are so inappropriate. We disregard God's standards, God's word for priorities, for mission, for worship and witness. And making those things a priority in the life of our young people. And we're not protecting that which is most important at times, their very soul. God's wisdom, God's word gives commandments that provide spiritual safety. And so care about this book. Treasure it. Hide it in your heart. Protect it. Guard it. Because it's what's going to protect you and give you life. And then finally this morning, I want you to see that it gives a competence. There's a difference between confidence and competence. You can actually be confident and lack competence. But there's a competence that demonstrates spiritual skill, what we were talking about earlier. A competence that demonstrates spiritual skill. Confidence, by the way, is what you understand, what you believe without a shadow of a doubt in your understanding. Competence helps others to see and helps others to understand that you know how to apply and live out what you understand. It's not just about knowing it, it's about showing it, that people can see it in your life. So we need that competence, that spiritual skill by which to live. Turn over to chapter 14 and verse 8. It's not enough to just know it intellectually. It's got to be something that uh, becomes not only a part of who we are, but of our very essence. It is who we are, the sensible man's wisdom. Chapter 14, verse 8, is to consider his way. What does he mean, consider 
his way. The, the wisdom, the New King James Version says, the wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way. It means to know what you're doing with your life. To live with a certain competence. I, I know what I'm doing with my life. He goes on to say, but the stupid, stupidity of fools deceives them. So when we're students of the Word and we understand the Word, there's a certain wisdom that comes from that. When we live it out, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and we're doers of the Word, James 1.22, not just hearers, that gives a certain competence in our lives so that not only will people say, hey, they might still say you're a religious nut, but they'll say, you know, they really know their stuff. They're not just buying a bunch of lies. They know what they're doing. They, they get what they believe. And not only does it make sense to them, wow, as I watch them, it's, it's starting to kind of make sense to me. It causes them to inquire of your faith. Flip over to chapter 21 and verse 22. The wise conquer a city of warriors and bring down its mighty fortress. The wise can conquer, in other words, right is better than might. Might does not make right, and might does not defeat right. Right gives the might. The the right strategy is more important than the physical ability. And so there's a wisdom that gives you a strategy for life that helps you to overcome every obstacle and enemy in this world. That comes from being a student of the Word of God, from availing yourself to the Word of God, from spending time in that Word daily, knowing how to study it, knowing how to apply it to your life, knowing how to say, I've constructed a strategy for life and success in God's eyes, not success in the world's eyes, based on my time in the Word, that I avail myself to preaching and teaching and podcasts and Bible studies, small group, because I value the Word of God. It gives me a competence for living. Look at chapter 12. Flip back to 12, and we'll look at chapter 12 and then verse 13. I'm sorry, chapter 12 and then chapter 13. Uh, Chapter 12, look at verse 8. A man is praised for his insight. And so as we've gained wisdom and understanding in the Word, that we've got this competence for living, there's certain spiritual skill in my life. I have certain insight. He says, but a twisted or perverted mind is despised, but someone who is insightful and able to study the Scriptures and make application of those Scriptures, biblical principles in their life, wins favor. He is praised. We see that in chapter 13 and verse 5. I'm sorry, uh, verse 15. I told you I forgot my glasses this morning. But he says, good sense, the same wisdom. There's no, nothing more uncommon than common sense, right? But good sense wins favor, but the way of the treacherous never changes. And so this kind of wisdom is more than being intelligent. This kind of wisdom is more than having brains and being smart. Favor means rapport. Favor means the ability to win people over. To, to be convincing with your lifestyle, 
You understand the Word, you've gained wisdom from the Word, you live it out, and it's made you stronger relationally, not just to communicate to other people that you're smart and have an intellectual grasp of things, but that you are winsome and winning favor in their life, which gives you great influence in the lives of other people, which as a Christian helps you to be salt and light in this world because you've gained influence because you understand the things of God, you live them out, and now you have a competence for life. So there's a difference between intellect and wisdom. There's a difference between being smart and being wise. So listen, men, a smart man may be able to point out all the fallacies in an argument that his wife presents. But a wise man might know to keep his mouth shut. There's a difference between being smart and being wise. What do you live for? Do you live to know God? Do you live to glorify Him? Do you live to encounter Him as Creator and Redeemer? Do you live to influence others? Have you become confident? Have you embraced God's commandments as a a way of protecting your life? Are you sharing those with your children, your grandchildren? Are are you really serious about being a student of the Word? This morning, listen, are you a social drinker at the wellspring of life? As I said, I believe we have a lot of social drinkers at the wellspring of life. And I'm glad God's Word does not return void. And that every now and then, you go over to the top of that wellspring and you take a drink. Listen, I pray that you will become one who allows the Word to flow through you on a regular basis. That like a musician, you will become, you'll, des- you'll desire to become skilled in the Word of God. So it will give you that confidence, to give you those commandments that protect you and give you that confidence for living. What we're talking about is a lifestyle. And some of the things we're going to get into next month that concerned the family and, and what Proverbs has to say about the family have to become a lifestyle for us. You have to devote yourself to these things. And so many times as a Christian, we think it's just intellectual consent to, yeah, I believe it. Or we think it's emotional experience. Yes, I've experienced it. But intellectual consent Our one or two or three emotional experiences is not enough. I'm talking about 24-7 lifestyle, being saturated with the Word of God, dedicated to the God of the Word, allowing His Spirit to lead you into all truth and empowering you to live that truth day in and day out so that you become a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ, evident to this world that you are confident in God's Word, that you value those commandments, and that there's a spiritual competence that they realize, hey, this wasn't just an emotional experience for them. This was not just intellectual consent. This is who they are. They're living it. Would you bow your heads with me this morning?